You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, so um, Pastor Andy is actually in um, is in Bridge City. Hold on one second, guys. I know why he does that now. Pastor Andy's in Bridge City speaking at um, at Bridgepoint, um, one of the awesome churches over there with with uh, Pastor Lance's um, people, and so. Um, I have the honor and the privilege of being with you guys this morning and getting to speak to you for just a little bit. I won't take too long, I promise, um, but there are a couple things in my heart I wanted to share with you guys. But, but first and foremost, just I want to do something to kind of honor Pastor Monty real quick because uh, y'all have probably heard me say this before. The church that I grew up in, in Sour Lake, Texas, it's a little awesome, quaint, um, white, steepled church called Grayberg Baptist Church. Pastor Monty, I believe it was his very first church after, second church after Bible school. Thank you, Miss Marla. So, um, so he was actually my pastor when I was a very young lad growing up. That's who baptized me um, when I gave my life to Jesus, which was super awesome. And I can remember way back to, um, to something that Pastor Monty used to always do. And I always said that if, if, um, if there was a, uh, someone crazy enough to give me a microphone and let me stand in front of people, and the Lord willing and allowed me to, to get up and, and, and speak his word, one thing that Pastor Monty always did was his mom would come visit, like on, on occasion. And when she would come, he always made it a point to honor his mother when she came. And I thought that was so cool because I thought my mom was pretty cool too. And I thought she deserved to be honored. So my mom is here this morning. She is um, super awesome and great. She, is, um, she has been a cornerstone to me and just my relationship with Jesus and understanding what love for the Father looks like and what it's supposed to be like and obedience to the Father out of love. And so she's here. So if y'all can do me a favor and just give her a round of applause and honor her real quick. Thank you very much. Um, that's not for me. That's for her. She is, I tell people all the time that if I had the rights to put someone into sainthood, she would probably be the person I would nominate first. So she is, she is pretty awesome. So, so thank you guys for doing that. I appreciate it. So as I mentioned a while ago, Kiki and I have been, um, we've been gone. We've actually been out of the country for like, like two and a half weeks. And so we just got back this past week. And so um, we were blessed to be able to do that. Um, it, it's, it was awesome. It was some good rest and relaxation and all that kind of good stuff. And um, she probably got more FaceTime with me than she um, probably ever thought she would have to get. And so, um, but it was good. So I tell people that we were in Mexico. And so like the the water down in the Caribbean is like, I'd love to tell you all that I was there like suffering for the Lord and like building churches and all that, but I wasn't. I ain't gonna lie to you, I wasn't doing that. Um, I spent a, a, a good amount of time floating around. Like we went and bought this little green floaty. First, we brought, bought a little blue round like tube floaty, and I didn't quite fit in it. So we had to go back and buy a larger green floaty like you lay on. And so um, she'll tell you, I spent probably... I don't know, 75% of my time literally laying out in the middle of the ocean like a weirdo by myself, floating around on the floaty, um, trying to get this beautiful bronze tan on my big old belly. And so it was, um, it was great. It was awesome. But I've been telling people I felt like I got purged like a crawfish because that water in the Caribbean is so salty, man. Like, it's so salty. So when you get in that water, you know what happens to a crawfish when you put it in, in salt water, right? So um, when you get in that water, you, um, you become cleansed. And so... It was, uh, but it was awesome. It was cool. It was great. We missed you guys. We haven't been here for um, for about three or four weeks, and so um, uh, missed all you. Missed those people in the back left corner back there. Those are um, um, God has has given us the privilege to uh, to um, to minister to some of the most awesome young people and students that um, in this area. I truly believe that. Um, we have some, some people who are just living their life full out, some people who are in the process of doing that. Um, and I think that over the next several years, as some of our students are moving into um, to, uh, junior and senior level of, of high school, we're going to see some amazing, amazing things happen across the street in our youth group. And so we missed you guys. We love you guys. I understand that y'all are in good care with Pastor Andy and Pastor Kim, but I promise you it's good to be back. So don't make my life terrible over the next few weeks, so um, otherwise I'll, I'll get up here and, and revoke that statement, so, but anyway, so while we were, while we were there, there's, um, when in Mexico, and we weren't like in like an all-inclusive resort where you have like the American TV stations and everyone speaking English and all that kind of good stuff, so um, it, it really, we, we got a great appreciation for being down there that long, just kind of mixed in with the people of, of some of our, um, our Hispanic brothers and sisters that come here that struggle with speaking our native language. It's, it's 
for us being over there was pretty tough. And my Spanish is 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 um, not good at all. I tried my best, but it wasn't good. Um, but you um, you learn to appreciate people that try to communicate and live in in a culture or or a community where um, their their native language isn't isn't what's spoken first. And so, but um, when we were down there, we uh, we watched a lot of um, uh, Spanish speaking channels on the TV. We did get Netflix so we could watch a few little episodes of like um, some certain shows while we were there, which was pretty cool. But they only had one news station that was in that was in English. All right, so one news station it was CNN. So if we have any CNN fans out there, if you are, don't raise your hand. All right, so um, I never watched CNN, but I watched CNN for the first time in probably my adult life, and it was uh, it, it was crazy. But anyway. But that's where we got the bulk of our information. That's where we saw these, these tragedies that are happening here in our country as far as the, um, those unfortunate fellows that lost their life, um, you know, the, the, the police officers that were, that were gunned down in Dallas, um, and the Brexit. Everyone knows about the Brexit. You know, uh, Britain decided to leave the, the um, European Union, so we saw that while we were there, a lot of coverage on that. And, um, but a lot of the, just the culture things that were happening back in, in the U.S., um, and again, I'm not trying to make it like we're just a super foreign land. We were, in, we were in the Caribbean of the Yucatan of Mexico, but, um, but some of the social things that were happening back home, um, we just weren't exposed to because we were there. So there may have been like a new pop song that come out, like maybe like a new, um, who's hot these days, um, Taylor Swift, maybe she came up with a new song and it was number one. Well, we wouldn't have seen that because we were in Mexico. And they don't, um, um, they, they probably don't listen to Taylor Swift as much as we do. But there was this other phenomenon that kind of started happening here that we didn't know about until we got back. Okay, so I get back. I go back to work on this past Thursday. All right? How I got that many days off work, I don't know, but it's, it's a blessing. It's awesome. Um, some, these grown men that I work with start telling me about this new phenomenon that's going on. I'm like, and they're all on their phones. And they're like walking around. They're like, my phone's around here somewhere. If I can get it. And they're like at our at our office in Beaumont. And they got their phones. They're walking around and they're looking. And they go and they go outside. One of them gets in his truck and he goes driving away. And then he comes back. I'm like, what are y'all doing? And so my buddy PJ, who is um, a graphic designer for our company, he um, he kind of fills me in and says, look. There's this new game going on called Pokemon Go. I'm like, Pokemon what? He's like, Pokemon Go. I'm like, okay. I said, well, fill me in because my son, he's 10. He likes to play. He's 10. He likes to play Pokemon um, a little bit, and he has the cards, and I'll try to play with him. It's just over my head. It didn't make sense to me, but he, um, but he plays. And so, I, so I'm asking PJ, tell me about this Pokemon Go. And so who's all heard of the Pokemon Go? All right. We're in church. Like, for real, we're in church. All right. Like, we're in the middle of service. There's someone preaching, so you can't, you have to be honest right now. Who has Pokemon Go on their phone? It's pretty good. I knew Justin would. See, Justin and my buddy PJ, they're like two peas in a pod, man. Like they're, if one does it, the other one does too. So that's pretty cool. So, I, so PJ starts telling me about this game, and essentially for those of you who don't know what it is, it's an app that you download, okay? And um, you kind of go out into your community and you, um, like the GPS on your phone, if, if I'm wrong, Justin, just correct me. It's so like the GPS on your phone, like you go around and like you're searching for these little Pokemon characters. Who knows what Pokemon is? All right. I wasn't too familiar either. So you're searching for these little Pokemon characters. One of them's name is Pikachu, right? Pikachu? Any other names? I saw like a little rat face thing last night um, when we were in, in the woodlands. What else? Rat of what? Ratatat. So little rat-a-tat and some other things. And so, um, and so you go around and you're actually looking for these little, um, these little Pokemon characters. And so what happens is you have these little balls, and I guess it's what you kind of catch or kill the Pokemon with. I don't know what you're actually doing with it. But you take these little balls and you go after the Pokemon and you throw them at the little Pokemon when you find, like literally you're on your phone walking around. Like I could walk outside to the park and it'll say there's a Pokemon in front of me. So I find the Pokemon. I get the little ball in my app. And I throw it at the little Pokemon. I catch the Pokemon. I then um, take ownership of that Pokemon, okay, and I use that little Pokemon and his little Pokemon powers to go battle against other Pokemon Go players and try to beat their Pokemon so I can get their Pokemon and then I have it. Um, does that make sense? Y'all following me? Okay. I lost myself. But 
That's kind of the premise of this Pokemon game. Well, at first, I started kind of bashing this whole Pokemon Go thing because I'm, I'm just a critic and a skeptic like that sometimes. It is what it is. Um, my wife loves me, and it's okay. And so, um, so I start kind of bashing this Pokemon Go thing, and then I get a, I get a text message from Pastor Andy. And so Pastor Andy and, and uh, Pastor Justin and Pastor Ken and myself, we're all on like a, a, a text chain, and we'll, we'll send some texts at times. And so I get this text that uh, lets me know that our church is a Pokemon gym. Who knew our church was a Pokemon gym? Who knows what a Pokemon gym is? All right. See, here's how this works. If only a few of you raise your hand, I go through explaining, and it takes, it takes a long, long time. So everyone just raise your hand next time. So a Pokemon gym is what happens. Here's what happens. So as I catch all these little Pokemons, and I have all these little Pokemons, and their Pokemon powers in my Pokemon box of Pokemon people, I then can go to a Pokemon gym like this church or I heard there was like hundreds of kids at Port Nature's Park the other night, and we go to this Pokemon gym, and I fight your Pokemon with my Pokemon. See, I can't just like get in a scrap battle out in the street with my Pokemon people. I have to go to a sanctioned Pokemon gym. Makes sense? Y'all seen Rocky Four? I think it's Rocky Four, where Rocky and, and the fella gets in the fight in the bar, right? Anybody? Jarrett's here. I know he's seen it, right? So Chris Lynn's seen it. Um, well, that can happen in Pokemon world. Like, you can only fight your Pokemons if you're inside a Pokemon gym. All right? So, spend enough time on that. Probably, probably lost, lost a few of y'all. But here's the deal. What I was kind of thinking about talking to you guys about today was seeking God. Going after God's heart. You know, as, as we were in Mexico and I had lots of time to kind of float around on the, on the beautiful, green, um, beautiful green floaty, um, I got to really just kind of sit back and just just admire and appreciate the um, the amazingness of our Creator, our God. You look at some of those blue skies and that beautiful water, and um, some of the pretty fish that float around, and um, just some of the just the geographical landscape of some of the cliffs and things like that. And then um, my awesome wife Kiki, she had she had pointed out one day we we're just sitting there, and she says, "You hear that?" I'm like, "What is that?" She goes, "That's she goes, that's that's um." That's the waves worshiping and praising our God. And it's the sound of the waves crashing against the shore. And it was just so awesome, man. Like, it's something we talk about in youth a lot. We, I, we get into the stars and the moon and all that kind of stuff and just how awesome and majestic our God is that he created all those things. And so to hear those waves crashing and think about, think about um, them uh, lifting up the, the praises of our Father. So and it got me thinking, you know, we, we've, I personally have to do a better job of seeking God. You know, it's it sometimes when it slaps you in the face when you're sitting on a green floaty and you're looking up in the sky and you have these, this beautiful, beautiful blue sky with these perfect white fluffy clouds and you're laying in this beautiful water with these beautiful fish and the waves, cra- the waves crashing. <clears throat> you have no choice but to seek God because he's right there in your face. But I've got to do a better job of seeking God all the time. I have to do a better job of seeking God when I wake up in the morning before my feet hit the ground, of seeking God when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm going to work, when I'm spending time with my family after work, when I'm kind of in my own little quiet meditation time, you know, at, at the end of the day. And so um, I actually had my buddy PJ, the one that's the graphic designer, I had him create a little, a little thing for you guys that are Pokemon Go players. Um, I thought maybe you would appreciate that. So if you've seen the Pokemon Go app, it actually looks just like that, but it says Pokemon Go. And so it just kind of got me thinking over the course of this week as I was preparing for this message and and talking to people about the Pokemon Go. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condemning the Pokemon Go because, again, our church is a, is a Pokemon gym. But how awesome would it be if we had a group of believers that chased after Jesus the same way that Pokemon fans chased after Pokemon? You think about that. Again, I'm all for Pokemon Go. It's great. I might go play it today with my kids. Just imagine if that was the case. Imagine if we had a group of believers that were willing to download an app. And maybe on that app, instead of little Pokemon Go people, it was um, unbelievers. It was places, gyms were, were places where unbelievers congregate. And your mission was to go after these places and to go to these gyms and go find these people and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It makes sense. Yeah, so just a little thought. So, 
Today, we're going to be talking about seeking after God. And I won't take too long with you guys, just a few little points I kind of want to, want to point out. We're going to look at a little bit of Scripture, but talking about the seeking, seeking after God. And so one of my personal favorite characters in the Bible is David. Um, he's one of my favorite characters, period, of any book, Bible, whatever. Um, a, a couple of quick little, little statistics about, about David, other than his story is just really cool and it's interesting and it's fun to read and it's engaging and it's applicable to your, to your life. Um, do you know that there's 65 chapters in the Bible that are dedicated to David? Think about that. 65 chapters in the Bible that are dedicated to David. Also, Abraham was the second most mentioned person in the Bible behind Jesus, but Jesus is number one. We'll leave him there. Abraham was the second most. At 852 times, Abraham was mentioned in the Bible. Pretty cool, right? Check this out. David, who was actually second to Jesus, was mentioned 1,141 times, right? So he's, he's got 65 chapters of the Bible that are dedicated to him. He's mentioned, his name is mentioned 1,141 times. I didn't personally go count. Um, so we're relying on some other um, information to get that. But, uh, but that kind of tells me that he is pretty important, right? I mean, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of the inspiration of the Bible is so that we will have, we'll have a, a manual of how we're supposed to live our life, of what relationship with the Father looks like, and what the sacrifice of Jesus was meant to represent. And so this Bible, our Bible, that mentions this man over 1,100 times, I feel like this man's probably pretty important. And so I've kind of always kind of kept that close to me as making him one of the, one of the most um, central figures for me in my study. And so, um, but, but let me read from 1 Samuel 13, 14. It says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Again, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have kept your command. So, one of the things for me that makes David most integral is, is that he is, um, the Lord says that he is a man after his own heart. That he is a man that chases after his own heart. He's a man that, that, that yearns and desires, bless you, to have relationship with the Father. He's a man that yearns and desires to know God better. We know that David knew the Lord, but we also know that David desired to know the Lord better, right? And so, David had, I mean, he was, he was the second king of Israel, right? The man lived through pressure. I mean, I know a lot of us face pressures in our life right now. And this man lived through pressure. He was a, he was a sheep farmer, right? Sheep herder, forgive me. He was a sheep herder. Um, whenever he, he, he knew that he was anointed the next king of Israel, but yet he still had to go out into the field and, and, and herd these sheep. He killed bears and lions. He he killed, a, he killed a giant named Goliath. We've all heard the story. He was chased by the king of Israel, Saul. Saul wanted to take his life because he felt like David was, was becoming too powerful in the, in the nation. Right? And then there's a part of David's story where he's being chased by Absalom, who is David's son. And Absalom wants to kill David and take, take reign over the nation. And so what happens is Absalom is chasing David and David's faithful servants. He he chases them out to the, to the wilderness of, of Judea. And while out there, David pins one of the most awesome psalms ever written, in my opinion. It's the 63rd psalm. And I do want to, I do want to real quick cite, um, give me this real quick. I think it's important. Um, Pastor Stephen Cole, a lot, of these, a lot of these thoughts came from him and, and some articles that he wrote. And so, um, but let me read you the 63rd Psalm real quick. And again, this is something that David wrote. I was out in the wilderness of Judea. He was fleeing from his son Absalom, who was trying to take his life and take over control of the nation. It'll be up there in a second. It says, The Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. 
when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God, and who swear by him shall exalt. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. And so, what's really cool about this is that we see that David, even in the, in the pressures of being chased by his, imagine that, being chased by his own son for rights to the kingdom, he still makes his number one priority seeking God. He still makes his number one, number one priority lifting up the name of the Father and thanking him for all the awesome things he's done. And what really strikes me in this is that you know, I think about my own life where pressure's mounting and there's things that are going on. You know, how many times did your prayer end up being a barrage of requests to the Father? Which is okay. He's the good Father. He tells us that he wants to give you good things. He tells us that he wants things to work out for your good. But how often is it whenever, whenever life is pressuring you that you find yourself doing nothing but just sending requests and sending requests and sending requests? And what's awesome about David is his priority was so important to seek after the heart of God that even in this time when he could be saying, Father, take my enemy away. Father, return me to my kingdom. Father, do this. He doesn't. He says, Father, I seek you. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. It's pretty cool. So we're going to look at three things real quick regarding the seeking after God. Number one, what does seek after God even mean? Like, you probably hear that a lot. A lot of, a lot of you have grown up in church. I know the youth have heard me say it many times across the street. Seek after God. Seek after God's heart. So what does that really mean? Number two, what is the, what is the fruit or the reward of seeking after God? Number three, What can we do to seek him? So number one, what does seek after God mean? Seeking after God means to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Again, Psalm 631 says, Oh God, you are my God. So what we know is that David already, again, David already had a relationship with God. It wasn't like David was just introduced to God as he strolled out of the wilderness, escaping from his son. He already knew God. He says, Oh God, you are my God. And what we also know is that he knew God. See, it's, it's one thing to know of someone, but it's something completely different to know someone. Tony Romo, greatest quarterback to ever lived. Just saying. See, Pastor Randy ain't here. I can say that. I know of Tony Romo. I know that he was undrafted. I know that where he went to college. I know that um, uh, most of his stats. I know that um, he won a Super Bowl this year. I know that. But I know of Tony Romo. I can tell you all about him, but I don't know Tony Romo. I couldn't tell you what his, what his intimate moments are like. I can't tell you what his heart is like. I don't know him. For me to know him, it would take me actually going and sitting down with the fellow for probably hours and hours and hours and spending some good time with him, breaking bread or whatever it is that we're going to do, throwing the football around and actually having some good in-depth conversation. To know him... It would take me maybe sending some text messages and reading what he has to say, understanding what he thinks is important in his life and what he thinks might be important for my life or whatever it may be. See, that's the difference in knowing of God. There's a lot of people that know of God. There's a lot of people that know of God. There's a lot of people that know the Scripture very well, very, very well. But do they know God? I can tell you for me, again, for me personally, I spent a good portion of my life knowing of God. Like, I really did, knowing of God. I knew the scripture. I knew what it said. I understood its importance. But at times, I allowed that knowing of God to get in the way of me actually knowing who he was, of me actually knowing his heart and him knowing me. In Matthew 7, 20 through 22, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in in heaven Many will, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. I love that they put plainly in here. Then I will tell them plainly, 
I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so Jesus tells us that there's going to come a time where there's going to be a lot of people that knew who he was but didn't know him, that knew of him but didn't know him. And so first I just encourage you guys, you know, it's, it's to seek after him is to seek an intimate personal relationship with him. To seek after him is to know what his heart's desires are. To seek after him is to pray that prayer that, Father, I ask you that, that I can see with your eyes and I can love with your heart and I can touch with your hands and that you know me and you know my heart because everything I have I give back to you. Number two, seeking God means to always want more of him. My lips will glorify you because, in Psalm 63, 3, says, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. Again, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So again, we know that David had already lived in the blessings of God. David was already anointed to be the king of Israel. He was already the king. So he already had the favors. But what's, what's awesome about David and that I want more, more of in my life is that, yeah, I know him, and, 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 and I, I'm thankful for everything he's given me. I love singing his praises, but I, I, I still yearn to know him better. Psalm 63.1 also says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you, and in land that is dry, desolate, without water. See, God, unlike people, is, is a lot of you, we can hang out and we can um, we can go spend two and a half weeks in Mexico together, and we can float around in the water, and we can have a lot of FaceTime just hanging out and talking, and, and there's probably going to come a point to where I feel like I know about everything that I can possibly know about you, right? And then I'm like, okay, get away from me. Not my wife, because she's awesome, and we love spending time together. But I'm just saying in general, like, you're like, I, I feel like I, I, I know everything there is to know because we're people, because we have a beginning and an end, Right? See, but God is infinite. Like, God is the creator of all things. He, was, he is the beginning and the end. And so that's what's awesome and encouraging for me whenever I get into these places of just, of just, um, of just monotony, of, of feeling like I'm, I'm kind of just sludging around and in neutral of my relationship with the Father. I'm reminded that, that he is an infinite God. He is an infinite being. And so I could spend 24 hours a day of every day of the rest of my life seeking him out and seeking out relationship and, and seeking out knowing him better and better and better. And when that day when, when he takes my, my, my soul to heaven to be with him, there's still things I'm going to learn about him. He's an infinite being. I can, I can never know everything. So if you ever get to that place where you feel like, man, I think I know everything that there is to know, go back. Talk to him a little bit more. He has, he has some other things he, he wants you to know about him. So number two, What's the fruit or the reward of seeking God? So we know what it means to seek God, but what's the fruit? Why do we do it? What's the fruit of it? Number one, the person who seeks after God has satisfaction. Psalm 63, 5 says, you satisfy, you satisfy me as with rich food. I like rich food. And he says, you satisfy me as with rich food. There's so many times, and again, in this life that we live to where we're under the pressures and we're dealing with, with juggling priorities and all these things that um, maybe, it's, maybe you're in the process of buying a new house, right? And so you go buy this new house, and you and your, your awesome spouse, you go to the bank, and you get a loan, and then you go pick out the perfect home, and you, you buy it, and you move your family into it, and everything's great, and it's an awesome new house for a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, three years, however long it may be. But a lot of times, that, that family that's living in that awesome new house, it just takes a matter of time before their satisfaction isn't met anymore. And now it's time, you know what? Hey, maybe we should, maybe we should go a little bit bigger. Maybe we should move to this, this part of town. Maybe we should sell our house in Bridge City and move to Mexico. Just saying. So, um, and you're, you're, you're always searching for that, sat, that satisfaction. But what's awesome about ha- being in relationship with the Father, what's awesome about being someone who seeks him out and it's always putting your focus and making him the central priority of your life is that you're always I pray that you're, you're prosperous. But I also pray that you understand that we can chase those things in life into our deathbed and they're never going to give you satisfaction like relationship with the Father can. They're just not. Right? The person who seeks God has joy. Psalm 63, 5 says, My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. 
So we know about David is because he has a relationship with the Father. He's seeking to know him better. He's satisfied, but also he's full of joy. I mean, think about that. Again, I just tried to put myself in David's shoes back then when my, I couldn't imagine my son Carter, he's 10, but he probably tried to do something crazy like this, chasing me around trying to like take over my house and run me off into the wilderness of Bridge City. And um, I just couldn't imagine me going out to that wilderness and pinning a psalm to God saying, God, I, I come to you with joyful lips. Where's the, where's the joy in that situation? And that's what, I, that's what I, I envy about David is that regardless of all this, David wasn't a perfect man by any means. If you've read the stories of David, David was not a perfect man. And his joy could only come from the Father. And so he says, I, I come to you, Father, with joyful lips, with joyful lips. So someone who seeks after God has joy. David's joy wasn't, this is pretty good, David's joy wasn't based off of his circumstances, it was based off his relationship with the Father. I mean, think about that. How awesome would it be to be in a place, some of you may be there now, to where your joy isn't based off what's happening to the left, right, front, and back of you. Your joy is based off of your relationship with him. It's awesome. Also, the person who seeks God has strength and stability. Psalm 63, 7 through 8 says, Because you are my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I will follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. So when you seek the Father, you have stability. You know that no matter what it is that you're going to face, that he's going to have you. He's going to take a hold of you, and, and, and leaning on, on his strength is where you're going to get your stability. I mean, there's so many things that we're going to, we're going to come across in life, some not as extreme as your son chasing you to kill you, but, but some things that you're going to come across, whether it's financial difficulties or, or, or issues in your relationship, or whether it's things that are occurring in our nation. So when we feel like there's no hope, we know that we have strength and we have stability because we have, because we have a relationship with the Father. That's awesome. And so lastly, how do we seek after God? How do we seek after God? We know what it means to seek after God. We know what the benefit for us is to seek after God. But how do we do it? You may say, Pastor Spud, how do we do that, right? You seek God by putting your love for him at the center of your relationship with him. Put your love for him at the center of your relationship with him. 63, Psalm 63.3 says, My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Man, to be in a place to where my soul clings to the Father, to the creator of all things. You hear me say that? To the creator of all things. My soul clings to the creator of all things. And how amazing and awesome is it that, that as I cling my soul to him, he wants it. He invites it. He encourages it. It blesses him, blesses him for me to cling myself to him. But our God is so great and so wonderful and so amazing that as you, as you cling yourself to him, you have no choice but to make him the center of your life. That's what this whole thing's all about. See, all these, all these extracurricular things are going to happen in life. You're going to have a family, and you're going to raise kids, and you're going to have siblings and jobs and peaks and valleys. It, 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 suffering's going to happen. One thing we know for sure about suffering is that you will have suffering. But through it all, through the storm, for David, he made God the center of his life. So make him the center of your life. Make your relationship with him the most important thing. Also, how do we seek after God? You seek God by spending more time with him and his word. Kind of like when you meet your spouse for the first time, right? You get all googly-eyed and you think he or she's real pretty or handsome and, and you want to know more about them. You're attracted. There's something about them that attracts you. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's... Maybe it's someone that you can, you can make, make your home to give you support and structure. And maybe you know about them, 
maybe you all had class together at Lamar or you were high school sweethearts or you met on the job or through some friends or online. Maybe you were playing a game of Pokemon Go at the park. And you know about this person, but, but you have to spend time with them to get to know them, to get to know their heart. Kiki and I used to have some really long conversations in the afternoons, just, just long, talk about God, talk about life, talk about all kinds of things. And, and um, getting to know her is how I fell in love with her. It's really hard to fall in love with someone if you don't get to know them. It's really hard to fall in love with someone if you don't spend time with them. You have to spend time together. To me, this is as important as the last one. Again, spend more time. Spend more time in his word. This Bible, it was written and inspired for you. It doesn't say this, but I solely believe that the Bible wasn't written for him. I don't think that he wrote this so that he could so when he gets old, he'll, he'll be able to remember the things that were important in life. He wrote this for us. He wrote this so that we could know his heart better. He wrote this so we could hear his words. He wrote this so that we could have closer relationship with him. He wrote this so that we're going through some of the pressures of life and going through some of the things that we're going through, that you have something to go back to to hear his word. Spend more time getting to know him, getting to know his word. And then lastly, how do we seek after God? You seek God by making him part of your everyday life. You heard me say it a while ago. I personally, I don't know if this is, maybe this doesn't apply to any of you. Maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, then I'm glad that I studied for this because it's, it's definitely applicable for me. Make him a part of every single aspect of your life. I want to seek God literally when I wake up from my bed and my dog stops licking me in the face, before my feet hit the ground, I want to praise him and seek to know him better. This is very tongue-in-cheek, and most of you are probably a little grin on your face, and you heard me say it before. My youth, again, they'll tell you, I say it all the time. I want to seek God in the shower. I do. That's, I mean, that's my time. That's when I get in there, and it's just me and him, and, and um, I can lift up his name, and I can praise him, and that's just... It's just one of our times. I want to seek God in the shower. What do you think about when you're brushing your teeth? Think about it. Do you have like the little music toothbrush where you push a little button? It's like two minutes. Right? I don't. I should probably get one. But I don't have one. Honestly, I don't know what I think about when I'm brushing my teeth. I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you tomorrow when I brush my teeth, I'm going to think about him. I'm going to think about what I can do to seek him while I'm brushing my teeth. Sounds silly, right? Seek him in every aspect of your life. Seek him at your job. Don't raise your hand, but how many people str- struggle with, with, this, with this, this division of your heart um, wanting to live all out for the Father, but you have to wake up and put on your shoes and, and, and put on your pants and your shirt, and you have to go to work. You have to do it, and, you, and your, your mind has got to be focused on your job because you have to do it sufficiently. You feel like your heart's being pulled towards the Father, and you'd love to just go to church every day. Really, you'd love to go to church every single day, all day long. How great would that be? Maybe Jesus had, had knew what he was on to when he, everyone sold their stuff, and they all lived in community and all that. But either way, but you have to go to a job because you have a family and a mortgage and bills and all those things, right? Seek him in your job. He wants to be the master of every part of your life, not just what you do on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. He wants to be the master of every single part of your life. And 40 hours a week at your job is a big part of your life. Allow that to be your ministry. Allow that to be the place where you go and you walk into with a prayer and praise to him saying, Father, today I give my eight hours of employment to you. I give my eight hours of employment to you. And I ask you that you present me with opportunities to see you. I ask you that you present me with opportunities to show other people who you are. See God in your job. And lastly, the one that's probably most important to me is seek God in your family. Seek the face of God in your family. You have people that, um, we have parents that have kids that, that, 
come to church every Sunday and they hear the stories and watch the cartoons and they, they do the, I mean, our, our, our children's staff is ridiculously awesome. They're so good, like they really are. And if you have a kid and they're over there, they're in good hands and they're learning about Jesus. And if you ever want to go help out, feel free. They'd love to have you help out. But there's so many kids that, that are across the street right now that are singing the songs and, and watching the cartoons and, and memorizing. Great, I mean, they, they memorize this stuff so well, but unfortunately they're getting in their car and they're going home and, they're, and it's, not being, it's not really being instilled into their character of who they are inside the four walls of their house. We as parents have a responsibility to do that. Seek God in your family. We have young couples who are just having babies and, and, um, and are starting their family and they're starting their own legacy and they're, they're, um, you have the opportunity to, to break off some bondage that's, that's been on your family, whether it's with your mom or your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your aunt, your uncle, your greasy granny, I don't care who it is. But you have the opportunity to start afresh and to seek God in your family and break off some of those strongholds. Maybe it's addiction with, with alcoholism or drugs or maybe it's addiction with pornography, or maybe it's molestation. It could be a lot of things, and you have the opportunity to start afresh and to break those things off of your family. Young people. Man, we got some, have I told you we have awesome young people yet? Our students are the best. Like, they really are. They're, if you haven't told them, then um, tell them, because they're, they're great. And, and what's awesome about a, a good portion of our young people that come on Wednesday nights is they're not here this morning. That's not what's great about it, but they're not here this morning because their parents want to go to church. And I tell them all the time, it's not about a parent. It doesn't always have to be about a parent seeking God and putting God in their family. It can also be about the kid leading their parent to Christ. So pray for those young people because we have a lot of young people that their family needs to seek God inside their home. And they're the only line of defense. They're the only way that they're going to hear it. And so pray for encouragement for them and pray for them to be, to be lifted up and, and strengthened. So, so seek God by making him a part of every single area of your life. I don't know what your situation is like. I don't know if, I don't know if maybe you're, you're in an active pursuit of God right now. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Maybe you're someone that has spent your entire life seeking God and getting to know him better, but maybe you're in that place of neutral that we talked about a while ago to where you feel like, man, it, it's, it's what, what, what is next? What else is there? You know what happens? A lot of people that kind of get put in that place of neutral are leaders in the church, people who serve in the church. Because you spend a lot of your, your, um, your, your time maturing as a Christian, as a believer, learning and getting to know God because you're in that, you're in that, that newly fresh love phase, and you learn as much as you possibly can. And then you get to the point where like, you know what, I'm brave, and I know the Lord, and the Lord's blessing me, and he's anointing me, and I'm brave enough to go serve in the kids' room. And so I start on Sunday mornings once a month. I go sit with the, with the three- and four-year-olds, and I sit in there, and, I, um, and, and at first it's really cool, and my patience is great. But then after a few weeks or months, um, I've never disliked three- and four-year-olds so much in my life. Right? Or maybe it's, maybe it's youth pastors or youth leaders that, that start out working with these young kids. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is great. And I love doing this. And I feel energized. And the Lord's just anointing me and blessing me. And I have so many things I want to share with them. And then we get over there and we start doing it. And one, two, three, four years pass. The next thing you know, you're stuck in a rut and you can't figure out why. I'm doing what you, what you asked me to do, Lord. I'm coming every Wednesday night. I, I spend hours preparing to, to put up with, I mean, I mean teach these, these young people. So why am I stuck in this gear of neutral? Why am I stuck in this room? I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of people who are serving, serving in the church, serving at home, serving at work, wherever it may be, you get in this place where you're, you're, you're too busy serving to edify your relationship with the Father. Whenever I spend all my time reading the Bible simply so I can put together a message to preach on a Wednesday night, and I'm not reading my Bible because I have a love and a yearning to have a relationship with Jesus that's a very dangerous place to be in. It's a very dangerous place to be in. Because above all else, just being honest with you, to me, above all else, the most important thing is my relationship to him. You know, my mom's here. She used to tell me all the time, you know, Spud, 
I'm an only child to a single and a divorced and single mother, and so it's just been me and her and my grandparents for the majority of my life. And so um, she would tell me, I would do anything for you. I, I love you so much. You're sweet, you're cute, you're smart, you're awesome. Kind of a mama's boy. Love you so much. I would do anything for you. I would jump off a cliff. I would work 24 hours a day. I would do whatever you wanted me to do, anything for you. Pride and joy. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if it ever comes that time where I have to either save your life or deny Jesus, you're dead. It's game over. And she's, and here's, she's dead serious. Like, she is dead serious. My mother would do anything for me, but one thing she would not do is deny her father. She just wouldn't. And I, and I, I knew and believed that, and it's stuck with me. We're almost done, guys. We have a little dog named Bo. You heard me talk about him a while ago. Bo, um, he's a little chihuahua. Cool little dog. He's cute. He's a handful. He, we have a, a little chunk of land out in Bridge City where we live, and, and out behind our house is just kind of like a big pasture with a couple of pretty cool little trees and a little, little um, shop thing and whatever. And um, we have... Uh, we don't, have fen- we don't have fences, we have a fence, we have um, trees like around our property, and so it's pretty secluded and private, but it's like a, it's a huge treed-off backyard. And so um, out there we have rabbits and squirrels and redbirds and mockingbirds and coons and everything else. And so um, we, uh, we don't have a fence, so when we take Bo out to use the restroom, we have to walk him out. We can't just let him run or Bo's a goner. We'll see him for a while. And so... Um, so a lot of times I'll go out there early, early in the morning. I'm the one who, I let Bo out usually about uh, 6, 6.30 or so. And he'll go outside, and that's about the time that the, the little um, squirrels and rabbits, we have lots of rabbits, um, are active, and they're running around in the backyard. And so Bo goes out there, and it's the funniest thing in the world because Bo's actually quick, man. Bo can run. Like if it was like a doggy Olympics, like I'm telling you, he would probably run the 100 and he would do well. He's very fast. And so Bo will go in the backyard, and he'll, he'll see that rabbit or the, or the squirrels that are playing, and I think they kind of know him. Like, they're probably all buddies now. And so he'll go out there, and he'll go chasing these squirrels, and he goes from, like, dead stop to, to like, squirrel or rabbit speed, which is real fast, in, like, two seconds. I'm serious. He's getting after him, man. But and he'll chase them, and, like, and he'll, he'll get out there, and he'll chase them around the tree, and he'll chase them. And it's funny because the squirrel could easily hop on the tree and just, just – go up the tree, but I think they're messing with him. They know better. And so they'll run around the tree a little bit, and they'll let Bo chase him through the yard. And then there's a couple of rabbits that they'll let Bo chase them, and then they'll stop dead in their tracks. So Bo's getting after him, right, and this rabbit's running around, and the rabbit will stop and he'll look at Bo. Like, what you going to do? I stopped. You're chasing me, but guess what? Now you found me. So what are you going to do? He would be a great spinner, not a good... Kung Fu or boxer dog, he, he's not very brave. He just chases them. And so my question for you, I'm going to leave you guys with this. What are you going to do when you find him? You, we know what it means to seek God. We know the benefits of it. I know you all want the benefits. We have some applicable things of how we do it. But what are you going to do when you find him? What are you going to do when all those, those mornings of reading your scripture and lifting up his name in the shower or it may be, and one day he just sits right in front of your face. The day that you're in, you're in, you're in Sunday morning service and you're like, I'm doing this thing. Like, I see these people in the front, and they're raising their hands and they're doing these weird things and they're, they're kind of moving a little bit and like, I don't get it, but I'm going to try it today. And you raise your hand and you start, cornerstone, right? Like, man, I can do Justin's job, cornerstone. And then one day he shows up right in front of your face. One day his presence just comes all over you. What are you going to do? I'm going to stand up for me real quick, if you don't mind. What I challenge you guys with and encourage you guys with today is go seek him. In whatever way that you see fit, if you need some advice, please come see me. I'd love to talk to you about it. Go seek him. And what I will be praying for is that when you seek him, you will find him. And then when you find him, his presence will be so real and so powerful 
and so consuming over everything in your life that you'll have no choice but from that moment, that'll be the moment of your life that moving forward, you make him the center of everything that you are. You make him the center of all things. That you live full out for God moving forward in whatever capacity that looks like and whatever capacity he has for you. pray for you guys real quick. Father, again, we love you so much, Father. We thank you again for this day, Father. We thank you again for your house, Father. Father, I just ask you that today, Father, anyone inside this room who is in that place of, 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 of neutral or just stuck in the rut, Father, where, they, where they, they've spent a good bulk of their life trying to seek you out, Father, but now they're in a place where they feel like they're kind of standing still. Lord, I ask you that that today you will supernaturally just shift their gear from neutral to drive, Father, and that, that you will just draw them towards you. Your, your word tells us in John that no one comes to the Father except through you and that your Father has, your Father has to draw us in. Lord, and I ask you, God, that every person in this room, that you will just give them a tug this morning, Father, to get to know you better. Lord, I ask you that you give them the wisdom and the, the, the courage to, to seek out different ways to know you better, to open your word, Father, and to read it. to pray for understanding, Father, when they read your word. Lord, I ask you that, that some people over the course of this next week before we meet again on Sunday, Lord, that you'll just open the door for some opportunities in their own private time, Father, to, to lift up your name, whether it's to some music or in the quietness of their garage or wherever it may be, Father, that you'll just provide them with some time, Lord, and they'll give them the wisdom to know it's the time to just stop in their tracks. Like Justin said, be still, lift up your name, and praise you and worship you, Father. And then that praise and that worship, God, that, that you'll make yourself real to them and you'll make your presence felt by them. Father, I ask you to give them that, um, just that, that, that warmth, the, the, the love of you, Father, and just that experience of, of being in your glory, Father. Father, I also ask you today, Lord, that if there's anyone here that, that hasn't had the opportunity to, to ask your son Jesus to come into their heart, Father, to be their Lord and Savior, Father, I ask you that, that they do that today. God, I ask you that... Again, you give them the courage to make that move, Father, and I also ask you that you bless them when they do it and that, that you make it so overwhelming and, and beautiful, Father, that they, they understand that they can do nothing but live all out for you, Father, when that happens. Father, bless the people of this house. Again, Father, just bless our nation. We know that the things that are going on, just that you're the only, you're the only hope we have, Father. You're the only hope that we have. We trust you so much with everything that's going on, Father. Everything in each one of our personal lives, Father, we trust you with what's going on in our city, our country, our schools. Father, we trust you. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you so much for loving us. In your perfect name we pray, amen.